It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. G'day everyone, this is Ben Price with some Thunder Down Under, part of the Daily Thunder series, Scattered Thunderstorms. And uh, yes, to add more to that title, I'm uh, doing a series which is Evangelism Truths from Heroes of the Faith. And it has a subtitle as well, which is The Great Stud. Yes. Could I be talking about one of you guys? I'm not sure. Uh, Different stud. Not talking about the horses either. You'll, You'll catch on. I've given a little clue in saying that, but uh, it's someone who has had a very big impact on my life, and I'm sure some of you as well. Last week, we looked at uh, the passionate preacher, the passionate preacher, Leonard Ravenhill, which is one of my favorites. And this one, again, is also one of my favorites. How could it be? Well, this is why I've picked these guys who've had a big impact on my life. And especially when I look at, uh, when I go out sharing the gospel, I learn a lot from these guys. We can learn truths in scripture and we can learn methods and ways to evangelize. But there's some things about these guys that match the Bible in terms of their characteristics, in terms of what God had given them. But uh, we can learn that and apply it to our lives today. So I think it's I think it's great. So this guy was born in England in uh, 1860 in a town called Spratton, England. So What would an Aussie guy living in Melbourne in 2022 have to do with someone living way back in that era? Well, we didn't know each other. Uh, I'd like to know this guy. I feel like I know this guy. I've read a lot about him. And I feel like he's he's a really good friend. He's someone I love to hang out with because he inspires me to uh, go deeper in my relationship with Christ. But uh, yeah, there's a lot that I identify with this guy. And you'll hear about that. There was no audio of this guy. So I've searched all over YouTube. I cannot find any recordings of him. Um, if you find, when I say who it is, uh, a recording of this this gentleman, please send it through. I would love to hear it. Even if it's a scratchy old crackly recording, that will do. It would be just, oh, that's his voice. So I'm going to have to lend him a voice. So I'm talking about C.T. Studd, Charles Thomas Studd. And if you've been uh, listening to Daily Thunder for a long time, you'll have heard his name mentioned probably a few times, probably multiple times. And especially if you've followed Eric Ludy's uh, sermons for years, you'll, you'll know he has a strong affinity with this guy as well. Uh, he's someone we'd love to hang out with. And uh, if we got that opportunity one day in heaven, that would be fantastic. But uh, he definitely is someone who inspires me as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I think that's very true with this particular man, C.T. Studd, born in England. So yeah, I don't know what his voice sounded like, but he would have had a British voice. He's English. Was he British or English? Well, it's both because Britain and England, just so you know, are the same thing. <laughs> and what about United Kingdom? Isn't, isn't, isn't United Kingdom? Uh, well, yes, that's also the same thing. Although that does encompass a little bit more the United Kingdom. It has uh, it has a bit of Ireland, yes, a, little bit, a wee bit of Ireland. So, hello to our Irish friends. I saw an Irish guy the other day heading to um, the supermarket. I said, what's the quickest way to the supermarket? He said, are you going by foot or by car? By car. That would be the quickest way, absolutely, 100%. 
And, uh, but it also encompasses the United Kingdom part of Scotland. So if you've got any Scots uh, listening to today, right, it's great to have you with us and hope you can understand what I'm saying, right? Um, <laughs> they're a lot of fun to do as well. Uh, I'm sure there's Scots listening because it's free. You don't have to pay for this, right? So it's good to have you here with us on the, some thunder down under, right? From we from Australia. So anyway, let's let's move on. So we know that CT Stud was British, and so uh, British people around that time of that particular uh, pedigree. Just say pedigree. That sounds like I'm talking about a, an animal. It's that caliber, but you know he was a stud, right? With the two Ds. <laughs> uh, S-T-U-D-D. And, uh, and I have a strong connection already because my local shopping center is called Stud Park. Yeah. And so uh, there, there is that. But uh, yeah, he was British and um, well-educated. And if you're British and well-educated, you might have sounded, you know, a fair bit like this. You know, tally-ho, pip-pip, old chap. Yes, we'll have a cup of tea, old boy. Yes, one of those, a gentlemanly type of voice. But um, it was sort of reminiscent of Boris Johnson, the current Prime Minister of Great Britain, England, Britain, uh, who, who right, yes, he, he's very much like this, and he's held over the place, and he's you know, fighting fit as the butcher's dog, right, yes. Um, you might have to Google him to check what he sounds like, because uh, he, he's, he's a really imitatable guy for me, and as is Prince Charles, and yeah, we all know Prince Charles, he always uh, you know, sounds like he's in a little bit of pain or there's a bit of awkwardness whenever he talks it's like yes yes there's a strain there it has been difficult though in the last couple of years with corona I had the virus and I had to isolate in the palace for one whole week you can imagine how tough that would have been sure so but yes indeed CT Stud had not so much a palace but you, you, you look at his house uh, you see pictures you can google it Yes, it's still there today. Uh, the home that he grew up in, it looks like a palace. It looks like Buckingham Palace. It was incredible wealth that he was born into. And uh, his father, Edward Stubb, was a man who had uh, gained great wealth. I think uh, in India, he was a planter. We don't know what he planted. Well, it, I mean, it doesn't go into the uh, depth of that in the book. when. When I talk about the book, I'm talking about uh, this particular book here. There it is, CT Stud. Uh, if you're seeing it on YouTube, you'll see there it is. Uh, Cricketer and Pioneer, written by Norman Grubb, who was his son-in-law. And also Norman Grubb wrote the amazing book, uh, Reese Howe's Intercessor. Amazing book. You should definitely check that one out if you haven't already. And so, you know, that's what they would have sounded like. Then I, I imagine CT's voice. I'm going to talk about that while I was on that track for a while. Uh, I think, you know, as I said, the, the old sort of voice in those days would have been a bit like this. Yeah, that's right. Hello, old boy. Yes, you know what I mean? I think he had a bit more manliness to that. So I think he's going to have a bit more like that. Right. Still fairly gentlemanly, but pretty manly as well. So I'm giving him this type of voice, if that's okay. We might see him one day and he'll go, Ah, Ben, it's CT study, you know what I mean? And that'll be fine. I don't know if we'll get a different voice in heaven. <laughs> that's going to be interesting, isn't it? But uh, so I'd imagine his father, Edward Studd, might have had a similar voice and he probably, a bit more gruff to it because he was older. And I think he probably had, you know, uh, one of those types of voices. Yes, 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 you're right. 
and he um, Zoe Howell wealthy owned racehorses and uh, what they did in those days for entertainment not so much going to the movies because they weren't around or, or television wasn't around or internet uh, was not a thing so to, to you know entertain oneself in those days they'd go to the theater yes to see a live show and that was their entertainment often during the weekends and he had a friend called uh, Mr. Vincent with not told of his first name and Mr. Vincent had gone to the theater on a Saturday evening and found that there was this man from America speaking called D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, the evangelist from America came and, uh, and he was unlike other evangelists who, you know, he didn't have the neck uh, collar uh, that the, uh, the clergyman would wear. He uh, had an open neck and uh, just dressed in a suit and, this was a little bit different, but uh, he spoke and uh, he got radically saved by going to that and he wanted to share this with Edward Studd. He said, next time he's in town, we must go and see him. And he said, oh, I, I will, old boy, yes, absolutely. And, uh, but I think he got a little bit more carried away with his horses, but he decided, well, I'm a man of my word and so I'll go and see him. There must be, and I think he, he was reading the papers, there was some, uh, talk, you know, I don't know what the papers were saying, but he said, you know, all this, all this fuss, there must be something about the man that I need to go and see, so I'll go and see him. And so he did. And uh, it's described in, in this book, uh, C.T. Studd, Cricketer and Pioneer. He says that he, he was glued to, to watching, he was fixated on watching uh, D.L. Moody as he shared from his uh, beginning to end of the entire message. And then came back the following night and maybe even the following night again and he was able to sit down with D.L. Moody and have a chat with him because he's a man of influence he's a man of clout this is Edward Stud, and so he was able to sit down and and Ed, uh, he wanted to know now, now that I'm a Christian or boy I want to know uh, is it okay if I you know you know put some money on the horses you know gamble on the horses and so he sort of discarded him from that it's probably not a good idea to do that now that you're a believer. Uh, but what about hunting and fishing? He said, well, those things are fine. But then he said, when you lead your first soul to Christ, the joy that comes from leading someone to Jesus by sharing the gospel is so great that you won't even be concerned with those other things. And I can, I can advocate for that as truth because it is so true when you share the gospel even if you're not leading someone to Christ you're bringing them to Christ it's up to the Holy Spirit to water that seed just to share the gospel to be in the presence of God with this fullness of joy there is so much joy in just being out and about and evangelizing that other things take a back seat quite often not to say that we don't do other things right it's just that those things they don't uh, seem to really way up the same. So Edward Studd became a believer uh, and in his last two years of his life from being a Christian, he only lived two more years, he evangelized to everybody and anybody fearlessly. And so he had this incredible just passion to share the gospel. It was described at his funeral that he did more in two years than most Christians would in 20 years. And so what a short life that he had as a believer, but the impact was so huge. And uh, his impact was one that trickled down to CT Stud. So the impact just kept growing and growing. 
And so C.T. Studd uh, had grown up knowing uh, about the Lord and had gone to Sunday school, had a traditional upbringing as many, many in that time would have just gone to church on Sunday. That's just what you do. And then school throughout the week. And uh, C.T. Studd actually didn't enjoy it. For him, it was because he, he told his sons. So C.T. had two other brothers. Um, there was Canaston and there was George. Canaston is not, not a name that you hear of these days. Kinney, I reckon. If he was in Australia, he would be, yeah, get out, Kinney. How are you, mate? It's Canaston, yeah. And uh, so they were all uh, at Eton College at a boarding school. And so they had had a message, probably probably on a telegram message to say, come home, uh, boys, and I need to tell you something. And he shared with them. So this is uh, shortly after he was converted as a Christian. Edward Studd sits down and talks to his boys and says, I'm a Christian now. And they thought he might have been joking because uh, <laughs> it was just out of character. You know, this is this is not like you. They, they knew that they'd been to Sunday school and CT described it as the Sunday being the dullest day of the week. It was like we couldn't wait to get our um, Sunday best off and just you know, wear our clothes that we'd normally wear. And I imagine the, the churches back then it may have been boring uh, because there was no life in them. They were just preaching uh, religion, perhaps. So would it would have been like Mr. Bean when he's in church, you know, he's trying to stay awake. You know, he's like, Whoa. if you're hearing on podcast, you miss the visuals of Whoa, where he's trying to stay awake. And um, Mr. Bean, oh, trying to, Mr. Bean, that's how he talks. And, you know, the, the preacher sort of sounds a bit like that. You can hear it in the background. You're not really hearing what he's saying. But yeah, um, if, if there's dull religion, it, it can be boring and it can put us to sleep. But this was not that. This was life and life more abundantly that uh, had affected and transformed the life of Edward. Um, they, they didn't know what to do at first because they thought someone that becomes a believer like that, that radical, they, they would call him a milksop. He's a bit of a milksop. Uh, Daddy, are you a milksop? Come on. And so that would have been the... Uh, I guess the vibe that was going on at that time, but they realized, no, he actually is a believer. And he had a friend that was a believer that, uh, I don't think it was Mr. Vincent, I think it was someone else, um, who sat down individually with the three boys and told them, uh, are you a Christian? And C.T. Studd said, well, I, uh, I, I believe there's a God. And, and he shared with him John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life now do you believe that and ct stud said well i believe part of it you know that uh, he loved the world and and it took a little more convincing before he realized okay yes i believe i believe that and after that it's an amazing way to just be converted so quickly he actually uh got down on his knees he prayed and he was instantly filled with joy so he was born again uh the same day that his two other brothers. So the three brothers, Canaston, George, and C.T., uh, being Charles Thomas, all that day were born again. And so what, what, a, what a joy for the father to see his three sons also come into the faith in one day, just like that, right? Brilliant. And so C.T. became a believer. But for the next uh, six years, you know, we, we can become a believer, but it's not always straight away that our life radically changes because the Holy Spirit will sanctify us and change us and clean us and it can take a little while sometimes 
And so for the next six years, yes, he was a believer, but it, it was not necessarily the thing that consumed his whole life. Uh, you'll see that that's the era of him becoming a great cricketer. Now, you might know what cricket is. It's a sport. It's a bit like baseball. Um, and you might be thinking, if you ever read this book, you'll kind of read it and you'll hear about him in all these test matches. And you go, yeah, I'll just kind of skim past those. Yeah, I'll just skim past all of those parts about the cricket games. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Crickets, to me, they're those little insects, those bugs. No, cricket is a game. But I here's why I really identify with CT Stud because I was a cricketer. Yes, when I was uh, back in my junior years, so from about year, well, from about when I was eight uh, through to eighteen, and a little bit either side of those years, I was massively into cricket. You you would looked at my bookshelf when I was a kid growing up, and they were all cricket books, uh, biographies of cricketers. I lived, breathed, ate, drank cricket, if you could, and everything was about cricket. I would watch games. Uh, every single match that was being played. Some of these test matches they played were five days and I watched them all. <laughs> and even the ones that played in England, I would stay up late during uh, my winter to watch these matches as a kid. Um, even I would play baseball during the, the winter because I wanted to stay in form at catching and fielding and throwing and, and keeping my eye on the bat. Just a different form, a different game, but it, it really helped you stay in form with uh, playing cricket. It was so good. And I went as far as even, um, this might sound really weird, when my mum had finished with her old stockings, okay? Uh, I hope they're called stockings, like 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 socks, but like that you wear over your whole legs. And when she'd finished with those, um, I would get my cricket ball, put it on the inside, hang it from the rafters in a, in a courtyard, and I'd hit the ball. So I didn't have to have anyone throw the ball to me. I could just keep hitting the ball. And I'd do that for hours and hours to uh, improve my batting. So I was massively into cricket. If you looked at my bookshelf, all cricket. Um, and of course, the Bible was there in other Christian books. You know, it's funny. I've had these three C's in my life, of cricket and, and comedy and Christ. That's the, the capital C right there. So that that's the cons- consuming... Uh, of me now. Now, if you look at my bookshelf, it's all Christian books. A couple of cricket books are still there. I uh, still love the game, but I played in junior cricket. I'd won awards. I uh, captained the cricket team. I uh, had played the highest level of junior cricket that I could possibly go. And I was determined that I was going to play cricket for Australia. I, I was not just thinking, oh, I'd love to, maybe. I. It was definite. What are you going to do when you grow up? I want to play cricket for Australia. It was absolutely going to happen. And I felt like I was well on the way because I was reading all these books. I had great uh, accolades. I had trophies that I'd won. I felt like I'm a really good bowler. Uh, I wanted to be the next best thing in Australian cricket. And um, yeah, I I didn't do that because I, I discovered that a new passion, <laughs> which was comedy, that I wanted to do that. And so that really kind of took over. Um, when I was about 18, that was when I really sort of started becoming professional with comedy. And I thought, actually, this is going to be it. I, I kind of, there was a stage where I wanted to do both. And so, but uh, yes, yeah, so that's why I really identify with CT Studd as a cricketer. He was uh, 
a brilliant cricketer. In fact, he played at the highest level, which is to play for your country. He was an England captain of the whole country's team. He played at uh, Cambridge, which was his university, and he was brilliant there. Um, but all three brothers, Canaston, Kinney, George, and CT, Charles Thomas, they, they all played for England. And uh, this is in the, uh, the 1880s era, so still a couple of centuries ago. And it was the time of the very first Ashes series. And again, that might not mean anything to uh, North Americans, but uh, to an Australian, to a Brit, maybe a Canadian. I don't know, because they're part of the Commonwealth, but uh, you know, under the Queen's rule, which is British still. So they might have a little bit of cricket there. But uh, yeah, the Ashes series, what it was, just real quick, was uh, that someone's ringing me. Don't you love that? Okay. What that was, that uh, series that they played, was England had played a game of cricket and it was so bad they lost the game to Australia. And so what happened was uh, they newspapers uh, wrote a satirical piece saying that this was the death of English cricket. And uh, because of that, uh, someone decided that they would burn the uh, bales. Now the bales, <laughs> I'm going to have to describe this to you because you think, what is bales? Uh, bales of hay. That sounds like you could burn something, definitely. But uh, they had these stumps, wooden stumps, three stumps behind the batsman. If those stumps were hit, you're out. It's like getting struck, striked out in baseball, but you hit the stumps, you're out. And so on top of the stumps was these little bales that would go into the groove of the stumps. And one of those bales they burnt and they got ashes from and that's why they call it the ashes now they put that in an urn so this sounds a little bit morbid uh you know if you put someone's ashes into an urn that's kind of you know you put it in a sacred spot or you scatter those ashes well what they did with this bale they, they had the ashes and they put it in this little urn and that urn became a perpetual trophy that the england and Australian cricket team would play for. So they'd play for the Ashes. And even to this day, uh, I think they have a replica cup of this urn that they hold up, which is crazy. And uh, But it's huge. It's the biggest deal in cricket when you talk about Australian and England cricket. Uh, every 18 months, they play for the Ashes and it's a huge deal. So when they first had that series, the very first Ashes series, CT was the captain. And so I'm not just giving you a cricket history here, a little bit, but it's all to tell you uh, about what he what, what he did and who he was. Uh, he was someone that was of great fame because of that. He was probably one of the most well-known heroes in England. And so during that time, uh, he was <laughs> probably like today, when you look at guys like um, LeBron, um, I'm trying to think of other supers like Michael Jordan, these kind of guys, that level of fame uh, without all the sponsors and all the advertising and that, but everyone knew who he was. Uh, everyone followed cricket and he was a superstar. So he had great wealth. He was a superstar cricketer. Uh, he had great education. So he had everything going for him. Um, oh, by the way, I was going to tell you a story about cricket. I, I, I got someone call me because soon we're about to go out evangelizing. So, um, 
But uh, yeah, this, this is important to tell you. Where I went over to uh, play cricket. So when I said I didn't get to play cricket for Australia, I feel like I kind of did in a, in a small sense because I got to play a game of cricket. Now, I went on a trip in 2017 to uh, eight countries in 12 days for Operation Mobilization, which you might know as OM. And they do an incredible work with missionaries all around the world. The founding uh, guy, George Verwa, um, of that organization said, um, and he's got this Jersey accent where he's like, you know, everybody needs to hear the gospel at least once. Almost a bit like Trump, at least once. And uh, I jokingly said, you know, because we did eight countries in 12 days, uh, this is the trip you only want to do at least once. It was intense. I remember seeing the itinerary going, they've made a mistake, surely. We went to all these countries and we I think we'd gone to Germany, to Kazakhstan, then to Ukraine. Interesting. Um, my friend Wayne. So he's Wayne from Ukraine. It's the most un-Ukrainian name. He's an Aussie, but he lives over in the Ukraine does a fantastic job uh, for the gospel over there. And one of his outreaches is to play cricket. And so, yeah, he says, we've started a cricket league in Ukraine. He's training these Ukrainians. They're, they've got no idea how to uh, hold the cricket ball. Like, what do we do? Throw the cricket ball? They don't know. But he's taught them how to play. And he plays against uh, Indians. Indians, they love cricket. They, they love cricket. And so he's playing against those guys and he's asked, could I play? And so we got to play a game with these guys and it was a way of connecting and it's a way to outreach to a lot of those guys. Which So yeah, I got to sort of represent Australia in that sense. And it was funny because I remember doing at the, the halftime swap over when now we're going to bat. We've, we've just bowled. And so uh, we had some Ukrainian food. It was fantastic. And... And then they, you know, we're filming this documentary movie, so they got me to do all these voices, um, cricket voices that the, I thought the Indians will love it. And you know, you might not know these voices, but I started doing all these impressions and voices. And uh, rather than them cracking up laughing, going, <laughs> um, they just went, mm, yes, uh, it does sound like that. Yes, mm, yes, no, that's a very good impression. That that's not what you want to hear as a comedian. But uh, that's what I got. So that was over there in the Ukraine. Uh, and now going back to the UK, uh, CT stud, this great cricketer, as I said, superstar, fame, popularity, well-educated and an incredible amount of wealth. I'm telling you all this so you know where he's come from because it was sort of six years after he'd been born again and made that commitment that his brother George got uh, very, very sick and they thought he was going to die. And this really caused uh, CT Stud to think about eternity because, you know, you've got all this wealth, you've got all this great success, but in scheme of eternity, it's it's vanity as, as Solomon says, it's just vanity, right? And so he really came to that place of I want to live for eternity. I just want to read a little uh, extract of that because he says, um, and I've got to give him a voice, don't I? So I 
I, I think C.T. Studd would have been like this. So I'm going to read it in that type of voice, right? So all those things, he said it was vanity of vanities, right? As I mentioned, all those things had become as nothing to my brother. He only cared about the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ. And God taught me the same lesson. In his love and goodness, he restored my brother to health. And as soon as I could get away, I went to hear Mr. Moody. That's D.L. Moody. And there the Lord met me again and restored me to the joy of his salvation. Still further, and what was way better than all, he sent me to work for him. And I began to try and persuade my friends to read the gospel and to speak to them individually about their souls. I cannot tell you what joy it gave me to bring the first soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what I love. This is all great, but this stood out to me. I have tasted almost all the pleasures that this world can give. I do not suppose that there is one that I have not experienced. But I can tell you that those pleasures were as nothing compared to the joy that saving of one soul gave me. I went on from working for some time and then the cricket season came around and I thought I must go into the cricket field and get the men there to learn the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about how he, his love, his great love was, was cricket, but it, it was now this love for Christ and this love for souls. And it was just this turning point in his life where he was never going to be the same. And uh, from that point on, he uh, became radically surrendered to Christ. So one of the first things I want to look at that, you know, the cricket's just his upbringing, but the, the surrender. See, as an evangelist, we're asking people to surrender their lives to Christ. And C.T. Studd didn't just talk about it, but he showed it. He lived it. He actually surrendered his life to Christ. And he's a textbook example of someone who really did that, who gave up everything. He didn't give up like quitting, but he gave up his life to follow Christ. So it's really what being a Christian it's all about when you look at Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me or some versions might say follow or be my disciple or some of the gospels, because all four gospels say it. So it's very important. And he says, Jesus saying, would, would follow me. And, you know, these days to follow him, it's as easy as just click follow and like. And we, we follow someone. But he says, if anyone would follow me, what do we need to do? I remember preaching about this because I, I asked the church, would you like to follow Jesus? Every hand went up. I think they're a charismatic church. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. <laughs> and, um, but I said, here's the next sentence. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's a, a death to this old life. It's not just that you ask for forgiveness of the sins. It's all your decisions your ambitions, your hopes, your goals, your dreams. It now belongs to Christ. And for some of us, we go, well, I've asked for forgiveness. I've come to the Lord, but we still hold on to some of our life. If we hold on to this life, we're going to lose it. If we lose our life for his sake and the gospel, we'll be saved. And so that's what it says in Mark 8, 35. So, Holding on to this life uh, is something that we, we do before we're a Christian, but we even have a tendency to still. But 
CT Studd gave it all. He surrendered all for Jesus Christ. And what's amazing about it is because I've told you he was of great education, great wealth, and a superstar cricketer. And I'm sure every young boy looked up to him and said, I want to be like CT Studd when I grow up because this guy had it all. And he gave all of that up to follow Christ. And literally, he actually went into the mission field to go into inland China and become a missionary and gave up all the cricket, gave up all the wealth. In fact, every cent he, he actually gave up, which is incredible. You know, Jesus said, it's, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You think you're not, the needle is tiny, right? A camel's pretty huge. And that would have been transport in the, the days of Christ. You know, horses, uh, or you can go on foot, or, or you can upgrade to an SUV, which is a camel with has twin humps. It's got, um, I don't know about airbags, but it's it's got <laughs> not many features, but it's it, it doesn't need a lot of water and it can take you for miles and miles. And um, they would have seen them a lot more than what we do. We just go to a zoo and see them. But uh, you think they're huge, Ivan Needle, and you know, I know some scholars would say, Ben, Ben, Ben. I don't know why I'm doing a British accent. They might say, Ben, listen, why? Uh, you know, the actual Ivan Needle is like this opening of a gate where, or uh, during, uh, in a fence or something like that. I haven't studied the Ivan Needle, to be honest, so I'm not exactly sure what it looked like. Um, I have a feeling it was the, the, the little Ivan Needle because the disciples, when he told them that, they were astonished. And they said, well, who can be saved? You know, who can be saved? And uh, Jesus said, it's impossible with man. But with God, all things are possible. And that's why C.T. Studd was saved. He was fully surrendered to Jesus. It's reminds me of, um, it, it reminds me of a couple of things. The rich young ruler who, when he'd heard the commandments, uh, Jesus spoke to him. Uh, said, I've kept them all since my youth. And then he said, well, you still lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give all to Christ. And he walked away sorrowful. Now, you hope that was a godly sorrow that may have led to repentance. Uh, but some people get to that point of sorrow and think, I just can't. I have to because he had great wealth. But you see it uh, in the story of Zacchaeus who had great wealth and when he encountered Jesus, when salvation came to his home, he couldn't help but share uh, and also give back his wealth uh, multiple times to those he had ripped off. And uh, so C.T. Studd, when he saw, and in fact, when he saw the story of the rich young ruler who gave and sold all, or who was asked to sell all, uh, his wife, who had just uh, become his wife, as they were about to enter the mission field of going into China, uh, decided that they would give a large percentage of their money away because they inherited all this money from their father. And so they gave, I think it was 5,000 pounds to the D.L. Moody Institute and 5,000 pounds to George Mueller uh, with an orphan home. And uh, 5,000 pounds went to William Booth from the Salvation Army, etc. And so... Um, I think there was Indian missions as well. I can't remember what it was. And they kept about three and a half thousand or thereabouts for them to live off. And, and that just, 
in, in today's culture, it was still a lot of money. And you know, that, that doesn't sound too bad, but his wife said to CT, didn't we agree that we would, you know, it sounds like Leonard Ravenhill again. <laughs> that would be weird. I'm not gonna try her voice, but she said, didn't we agree that we would give all? And he said, you're right. And with that, they wrote a check to another organization. They had nothing, but they went to China. They had surrendered everything. And that's what it is to be a Christian, to surrender all. There's sometimes things we still hold on to because, well, we can go to church and we can give our lives to Christ, but, you know, I still have this going for me. I still have this dream that I want to do, and I still have this thing that's me. I still have my time. I'm giving up my time to go and share the gospel. I'm giving up my time to pray, but now I'm having my time. God wants everything of who we are, the exchanged life. Hudson Taylor talked about the exchanged life. Watchman Nee talked about that too. Um, I, I, he'd be a fun voice to do. He's Chinese. You know, you have the exchange life. You know, when you come to Christ, you give your old life and he give you his life. You know, the exchange life. And anyway, I love the Chinese voice. Um, I love all the accents out there. So God made some great ones. And uh, But yeah, he talks about if you've got a, a product, you don't just have an improved product. You, you get an exchange. You get a brand new one. And that's what it's like. You get your old life doesn't just get improved. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so your life could be improved. If you want an improved life, you can watch Dr. Dr. Phil can give you today is a changing day in your life. But God didn't want to just give us an improved life. He gave us an exchange life. We get such a great deal out of this. Yes, we deny ourselves and take up our cross because that old self has to die but we get his new resurrection life why would we hold on to it i am sure well if i could get all leonard ravenhill ct stud william booth all these men seated at a table and have you know people say who would you love to have dinner with dead or alive and you go well alive would be better but no they said like if, if they could be alive and you could sit down with anyone like Shakespeare and Napoleon and I, I would choose these kind of guys to sit down with and I would ask them a question I'd say guys it, it seems to me that you've all 100% surrendered your lives to Christ and you know are there any regrets and I'm certain that you know, probably C.T. Studd would say, my only regret was that I didn't do it earlier. I find it just amazing here having so much to have in this world that people aspire to and dream about. And yet he gave the whole lot away and went into obscurity, into China, where no one knew who he was, but for the sake of Christ. And then, see, the first thing is surrender. The second thing I want to say is becoming nobody. Becoming a nobody. It's very interesting for me to look at that because this is why I really I identify with this guy because my whole entertainment industry has always been about becoming a somebody. You know, you want to become someone one day. And uh, rather, Christianity is about becoming a nobody, rather, you know, not becoming somebody, but becoming somebody who can tell everybody about someone. Did I confuse you with all of that? <laughs> but becoming a nobody. And uh, this is spoken about in Psalm 22. David says, I am a worm and no man. And it's a prophecy about Jesus. Uh, yes, that would have been what he was going through in the actual time of writing that. 
but it was prophetic also with Christ dying on the cross. Psalm 22 was a picture, was exactly what that was, a picture of the crucifixion. And uh, Jesus became that worm and no man. He went to the lowest place. He became humble to death, even death on a cross. And uh, showed us what it looked like to have obscurity, um, to become an etc which is something that CT started. I'm, I'm going to read this because he um, had a book, Christ's Etcetras. You know, we say, ah, oh, you know, there was this great missionary. There was David Livingston. There was um, Andrew Murray. Uh, and you go, etc. Well, who are the etcetras? They don't get mentioned uh, because it's not about us. It's all about Christ. And this is something that CT, he had the name CT Stud. He was a somebody but then he became a nobody and didn't do it for the fame of him, but for the fame of Jesus Christ. And he wrote, and I'll say, we are merely Christ's nobodies, otherwise Christ's etceteras. We rejoice in and thank God for the work being carried on in already occupied lands by God's regular forces. We seek to evangelize only such portions of the world as are at present unevangelized. We seek to attack and win to Christ those parts of the devil's empire which are beyond the extremist outposts of the regular army of God. Jesus Christ's etc. Do you want to be an etc. for God or is it something that you feel that, no, I have to have my name. Now, it doesn't mean you can't use your name in something per se. It's just that it's not about you. It's, it's hard sometimes because I'm someone who's on stage a lot and I'm up front a lot and your name will get credited sometimes. But what we do is give all that glory back to God. God humbles the exalted and he exalts the humble. And so he will put someone in a position sometimes to speak out publicly because they will stand up for Jesus Christ and he gets the glory. It's not about us. And that's something when he went into Africa, uh, India, China, those three countries, he wasn't doing it for him. He was doing it for the glory of God. Uh, it wasn't even like he could live stream from these countries. Um, he became a nobody. Um, scripture here in Hebrews 11 talking about Moses um, and it's it's a very similar thing in fact uh, I think he talks about it in in the book uh, CT stud cricketer and pioneer uh, by faith Moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. That's something that I see so evident in CT that he chose a more difficult path because he'd seen something greater. The onlooker would go, that doesn't seem to make sense. I preached a sermon called It Doesn't Seem to Make Sense and I talked about CT study. People would thought, you're crazy. Why would you be nobody when you were a somebody? Why would you do such a thing? And that's uh, because he discovered... Christ, And it's like the man who was the, the merchant that sold everything because he found this pearl 
of great price. And when you find that pearl of great price, that's Christ. Nothing else matters. I'll give it up in a heartbeat because I have something. It's not just giving up everything and having nothing. That would be crazy. And that's what the world thinks. They're thinking, okay, better you than me. He's crazy. He's lost the plot. He's gone into China. The same thing with Eric Little. Uh, not not Eric Ludwig, but Eric Little, who was a Scottish a Scottish runner. And uh, he also uh, was super famous. A slightly different era in England or the, or the United Kingdom because he's from Scotland, right? And he ran in the Olympic Games, won a gold medal, had all the fame, all the notoriety, and went on a mission straight after that and lived in China, um, died over there. You think, what was the point? But he was doing it for the kingdom of God. He became a nobody uh, in order that he would reach everybody. The... The final thing I want to look at with C.T. Studd, um, there's, there's so much, you, you've got to read this book, is his fearlessness. He had an absolute uh, fearlessness um, to share the gospel. Going into interior Africa at a time where there was cannibalism, uh, where there was tribes, and he also uh, was battling all these diseases like malaria and all these things, and he was not supposed to go in there, uh, but he absolutely knew there were those that needed to hear the gospel, and he said, I must go. Um, and he went into there with fearlessness. Um, God has not given you and I a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. And some places he's going to call you to, and experiences or circumstances that he's calling you to go into and speak to are very difficult. And there's a tendency to naturally cower. Uh, we're living in difficult days. Um, I can't imagine if CT Stud was here today that he'd be saying, oh, this coronavirus, I think he'd be saying, I'm not worried about it in the slightest because I have God protected me. And uh, I want to read a couple of quotes from uh, CT Stud that sort of exemplify that. And uh, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Again, he's eyes are fixed on eternity another one here uh, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him one of his all time famous ones here I love this one it says some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell that's, that's pretty good Christ wants not nibblers of the possible but grabbers of the impossible. How about this one? Funds are low again? Hallelujah! That means God trusts us and is willing to leave us his reputation in our hands. Boy, even the fear that comes with, oh, I don't have income. Not just the situations we're going into, but the, the low income, that can just really spike fear in our lives. But uh, he's like, hallelujah! How many of us are doing that? And uh, here's another one. Cease your insults to God. Quit consulting flesh and blood. Stop your lame, lying, and cowardly excuses. Enlist. He was definitely a manly man who you want men like that. We need men like that in the body of Christ. And it's not just his bravado and he was a sports player and he had a bit of muscle and strength. 
Uh, it was, you know, because we can get that today. We can get that in. What we need is the manliness of God because Christ is the man. Uh, the man that we need, all of us, men and women, we need that strength to stand firm in the power of his might. And uh, especially when we're sharing the gospel. And another little uh, one here is about a chocolate soldier. Oh, actually, there's, there's another quote here I wanted to read from that. Um, th- this is a great book, by the way, and I believe you can get it um, at Ellerslie or you can get it from deeperchristian.com, which is Nathan Johnson who wrote the forward for this. It's excellent, excellent book. Um, and one of the quotes from that, it takes a real man to make a true confession. A chocolate soldier will excuse or cloak his sin. We're coming up to Easter right now and chocolate soldiers sound delicious, but it's not talking about that. <laughs> I know you could make a chocolate soldier in honor of CT stud, but a chocolate soldier, we're, we're soldiers of Christ. We share in the suffering uh, as, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, Paul says to Timothy. And so we have, um, we're in a, we're in a spiritual battle where we're fighting against the enemy, not against flesh and blood. And uh, when the heat comes on, when persecution comes, when difficulty comes, we don't want to melt under the heat. And that's what that's talking about. But that is a fantastic book as well. The, the two books on CT Stud. CT Stud, Cricketer and Pioneer. And CT Stud, The Chocolate Soldier. Yes, don't be a chocolate soldier. <laughs> that's the, the takeaway from that is not to become one, to be a soldier who stands firm uh, no matter how much heat gets thrown at you. And uh, again, just to emphasize, we can only do that in his strength because he, Jesus, is the man. And so three things we looked at. Surrender. This is what CT Stud had. The second thing was becoming a nobody. And thirdly, being fearless. Uh, Use these things as you go out and share the gospel. And you will be inspired when you look at the godly example that CT Stud was that we can apply when we go out and share the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for uh, an example that C.T. Studd was. And he's not just someone that you read about, but he's still influencing those for the gospel today um, as he was influenced by you in in reading the scriptures. And as, as we grow deeper in you, Lord God, I pray that we would be men and women who surrender our lives fully to Jesus, become a living sacrifice as we offer up our bodies. This is worship to you, that we become nobody. It's not for our name, but your great name, Lord Jesus. And that we would also... Be fearless as we go out and we have that love of Christ, that perfect love removes all fear, that we wouldn't worry what the future has, but we'd laugh at the future. Um, as, as it says in uh, Proverbs 31, it talks about the, the, the woman who laughs at the future and us being the, the bride of Christ. I pray that we would also have that perspective to say, no matter what comes, uh, we'll go out fearlessly for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.